At about 2.30 a.m. on Wednesday, July 5, 1995, in Orlando, Florida, the bodies of 26-year-old Kevin James Gaki and 30-year-old Daniel Eugene Smith were pulled from the cold, dark spring waters. Found at a depth of 96 feet or 29 meters, what caused the death of these two young divers? Find out on this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. Hi everyone, I'm your host Alex and welcome back to Narcosis Into the Deep. This week I'm covering another tragic cave diving story. First, I'll provide you with a little history of the area and the lake, what happened to the two divers, and finally, some ways that you can prevent this situation from happening to you should you ever go diving. Located just 15 miles north of Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, is the fourth largest lake in the state known as Lake Apopka. In the early 1900s, farmers in the area cleared out 20,000 acres of wetlands and built levees to keep the lake water from flooding their farms. The farmers used the water in the lake for irrigation for their crops, but then pumped the phosphorus-filled and pesticide-packed wastewater back into the lake. The high phosphorus levels spawned algae blooms that covered the surface of the water and everything that lived below the surface died. But fun fact, prior to all the pollution from farming, these waters used to be crystal cleared and filled with bass. It was once known as the bass fishing capital of the eastern United States and even attracted Al Capone and Clark Gable. But in 1988, knowing that the lake couldn't restore itself, the state of Florida purchased the farmland around Lake Apopka and began working to restore the lake's water quality. While it hasn't reached the quality or clarity that it once had, between being fed from a natural spring, rainfall, and the restoration work that is currently ongoing, the water quality has slowly improved, which only invites inquisitive underwater adventurers. Located on the south side of the lake, about 45 feet or 13.7 meters below the surface, is a vent opening into the Apopka Spring. The vent opening narrows vertically downward into the limestone for 16 feet or 14.8 meters, where it slopes northward at about 45 degrees to a depth of 90 feet or 27.4 meters, making for dangerous diving conditions. Although this opening is the most common location for divers at Lake Apopka, our story actually doesn't take place here. Located just east of the Apopka Springs is an area known as the Gord Neck Springs. On Tuesday, July 4, 1995, Kevin, Daniel, and their group of friends took a boat out to Gord Neck Springs. Kevin and Daniel loaded on their diving gear and began their descent into the cold spring waters. The divers only had about 45 minutes of air on them and told their friends that they wouldn't be down long. When 60 minutes passed and Kevin and Daniel failed to return to the surface, their friends called the sheriff's office. When local authorities arrived on scene, they quickly realized they didn't have the training necessary to undertake the recovery mission. 
They called in two local cave rescue and recovery divers, Jim Calvin and Mark Long. According to local newspapers, in July 1995, at this point in time, Mark had been certified for 14 years and had logged over 800 cave dives. Jim and Mark descended into the waters, following the path that Kevin and Daniel had taken. After navigating through a narrow cave, they finally located Daniel and Kevin's bodies. Jim said about this moment, quote, The men were floating together in 96 feet of water, just inside a tight spot between some rocks leading into the cave, end quote. But what caused these men to die during such a short, leisurely dive? After pulling the bodies from the water, Jim and Mark stated that it was clear that Daniel and Kevin were only open water certified divers. They had not been certified for cave diving, and Mark added, quote, The place where the guys drowned is not some place most people would go. It's silty and restrictive, end quote. I've mentioned it many times before on the podcast, but kicking up silt can literally put you in a life or death scenario. Your visibility can rapidly drop to zero, and when you're underwater in a deep, dark cave with kicked up silt, you can't tell which direction is up or down. Your only chance of survival comes from two main factors. One, your ability to stay calm in the face of danger, and two, your guideline. Cave divers have to lay a guideline anytime that they enter a cave. It's the only thing that will tell you where to go to get out when you're ready to leave. It's easy to get turned around, and when you have limited time underwater, you can't waste any precious seconds or minutes trying to find the path you came from. Occasionally, popular caves will have permanent guidelines laid by previous divers, but that's not always the case, and it's healthy to not trust them. You never know if the guideline that's been there for a while is still fully intact or how far it goes. A lot of times, even if there's already a guideline, cave divers will lay their own guideline and take it with them as they leave. But sadly, Because Kevin and Daniel did not have the cave diving training necessary to undertake this dive, they did not know what equipment was needed, and they did not have a guideline with them. What most likely happened to them is because of their inexperience, they kicked up silt, lost their sense of direction, panicked, and eventually drowned. Mark Long also noted that Kevin and Daniel only had a couple of small lights with them. Cave divers should try to carry at least three lights with them in case the bulb burns out, batteries die, or maybe the flashlight is accidentally dropped. Cave divers typically also only use a third of their air when entering a cave and a third of their air when leaving. They keep that extra third with them in case of an emergency. Each diver also carries a second regulator in case their primary regulator fails, but neither Kevin nor Daniel had a second regulator. The death of Kevin Gaki and Daniel Smith were completely unnecessary and totally avoidable. Neither one of them had any cave training, and they should have never entered those caves. 
On top of that, according to local news articles, one of the men, although it isn't specified who, was newly certified and had only logged six dives, period. The answer on how you can avoid this situation from happening to you is glaringly obvious. You need proper training. You need a cave diving certification course before getting anywhere near a cave. A lot of divers will think that the next step after an open water certification is a cave diving certification, and that isn't necessarily the case. It just depends on multiple factors, like your experience, skills, and emotional composure. Diving in open waters is vastly different compared to diving in constricted caves. As always, I like to emphasize to please never let these stories like this one deter you from scuba diving if you're one of my non-diver listeners. Accidents like this one are completely avoidable if you stay within the limits that you were trained for. I know a lot of fellow divers would agree with me when I say that some of the best dives and the best views occur in shallow open waters. There's no need to risk your life in a deep, dark cave to experience the thrill of scuba diving. I know this week was a pretty short episode. There wasn't a whole lot of information provided from articles from 1995, so if you have any questions, please let me know on my Instagram page, at NarcosisPod, or on our Discord server. All the links for it can be found in the podcast description. And if you want to support the podcast, there's always Patreon or sharing the podcast with a friend. The Patreon is just $3 a month or the price of one coffee, and you get access to a lot of perks such as voting on what to hear next, exclusive updates, a shout out at the end of the next episode, and 10% off merchandise. Thank you so much to my newest patrons, Brooke B, Paul S, Ashley S, Carolyn M, Tiny Emotional Panda, and Thundersquid. I love those names. Your support of the podcast means the world, and I really hope that you know just how much I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me, and I will see you all next week. Bye.